Your weekly music and entertainment fix. Backstage with Sinead Nivorda. With all the best music, interviews, and live sessions. On Radio Nova.
Update on Radio Nova. Music News Update. And now to bring you up to date on all the latest in music news is Connor Irwin of Radio Nova. Connor, thanks for popping in today. We've got such exciting news uh, considering Pearl Jam, a bit of a rock and roll TV series. Um, but first, some very exciting news. Hey Sinead, yeah, loads of great little bits of news doing the rounds this week. Uh, we've heard that Radiohead are set to perform their new as yet untitled album during a headline set at Primavera Sound in Barcelona in June. Very little known about the album as of yet. It's the follow-up to 2011's King of Limbs and uh, its very existence just confirmed in one sentence from the Primavera press release promising the presentation of the new album by British band Radiohead. Very succinct. Uh, the performance is going to be their first since 2012. It's unclear as of yet whether they're going to perform the album before or after or what they're going to do or even when it's going to be released but we are hoping to get it pretty soon. Very, very exciting news Connor. Um, I'm going to go to Primavera this year actually. What an amazing lineup! I'm really ahead. Our, one of the headliners Peter Harvey's also playing. Um, it seems to be the week of news that was made especially for Sinead Vorda because there was also really exciting news regarding Pearl Jam. Huge news for Pearl Jam fans. It looks like the band are set to return with some new material and they're set to announce a massive world tour. Uh, their last album was in 2013, Lightning Bolt, you probably remember. They uh, took to social media this week to tell fans that a tour announcement was imminent. Uh, it is probably worth noting, just to mark your card, they've never performed at Glastonbury before. And it is said that a lot of the people performing at Glastonbury this year have never performed before. So maybe Pearl Jam for Glastonbury, who knows? Well, Connor, as long as they make it over here at some point, I'll be one very happy lady. Moving on now to some something rather special that Mick Jagger and Martin Scorsese have been working on. Yeah, last but not least, this one is to set your diary for February 15th. HBO's uh, eagerly anticipated new show. It's called Vinyl. Uh, starts on Sky Atlantic. It's a rock and roll series set in the 70s. Rolling Stones' Mick Jagger and Martin Scorsese are involved in it. Uh, the press release says it's set around the decades debauched music scene encompassing punk, disco and funk. It's a 10-part series and it centres on a character called Richie who's said to be a cocaine-addicted record executive trying to relaunch his album American Century. It looks excellent and the music, the soundtrack, looks phenomenal. So February 15th, that one uh, will air on Sky Atlantic. Okay, February 15th is definitely getting marked down in my diary for that. That sounds amazing. Well, Connor Ewan of Radio Nova, thank you so much for bringing us up to date on all the latest in music news. Cheers, Sinead. Chat to you next week. Chat to you next week indeed, Connor. Thanks so much for that. Now, one gig I cannot wait for next Friday is taking place at Vicker Street. It is the band full of criminals. Their ability to merge and transcend genres saw them become one of the most unique and exciting groups of the 90s. This is going to be such a special gig next week as the New Yorkers shall be resurrecting the 1996 album Come Find Yourself and playing the entire record back to back for the first time ever and they are launching this tour here in Dublin. It's to mark the 20th anniversary of the debut which spent practically an entire year in the UK charts. Wow. And joining me now to talk about the making of this all important album is Huey Morgan of Fun Love and Criminals. Huey, thanks so much for joining me today. Now, before we go on to talk about Come Find Yourself and Quentin Tarantino, I just want to bring you back to a certain time in Dublin. We actually met at your birthday party some years ago in Tampa Bar. <laughs> You'll have to forgive me not remembering much about that. Hey, I mean, I actually, I do remember it because there were um, ladies, there were ladies there and there was uh, the owner of a certain strip club who was there and I got offered, um, a, well, a job. <laughs> 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 and this guy had me sitting 
sitting on his lap and he's like, hey girl, you can make so much money. And I was like, oh, I don't know. But okay, tell you what, if you're not comfortable about it in Dublin, how about Spain? You can earn loads of money. And I was like, oh. Yeah, sleazy, right? <laughs> sleazy. Like a full of a criminal party. Right? Yeah, it definitely, definitely was. Um, so, oh God, I can't believe it's 20 years on from that incredible debut album, uh, Come Find Yourself. Can you believe that 20 years have passed by already? You know, I kind of can. But, you know, like, looking back on it, you know, I, I still, you know, I, don't, I know I don't look the same in the mirror, but I still see the same kid in the mirror every once in a while. And, you know, I've been listening to the music more lately than I have in a long time. And, you know, I do really like the guy who made that record. You know, I really think he was cool and he got it right. You know, yeah. me and Fast have been talking about it. And we're like, yeah, we did okay, dude. You know, and we, you know, you got to keep in mind, we produced that record too. And for a debut on a major label, that's really unheard of now. But when we went in and did it, we thought the record label was going to change their mind. So we tracked most, most of it in five days. Wow. That yeah, is spectacular. We had, it all, we, had it all, we had it all together in our heads before we went in the studio. But we spent like the week before like reading manuals for the desks and, and like different tape machines we were using and outboard gear and stuff. So we went in there like really just let's get this down before the record company changed their mind. Well, you're right because that really was something that wasn't done at all and you hear so many times about people when they're signed they lose the whole creative control side of things and I mean for some labels now the independent ones like Domino Rough Train might be a little bit better but that's quite different. I mean, was it quite important yeah. for you to really create something that was true to yourself and not have any, anyone take over it? Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, we said to the guys at EMI, we were like, look, you know, we can do it our way or we're not going to do it. And it was, it was, we weren't being kind of condescending to them. We were just like, look, if we get a shot to do it, we don't ever want to say we had to compromise to do it. Mm. And, you know, they were, I guess they were confident enough in, in the, the band that they thought we could do it. And we did try to get a record producer, but he told, he told us he, we didn't need him. And it was Bob Power who did all the, uh, Tribe Called Quest Records and D'Angelo and all that stuff. And he was amazing. And he listened to our demo and was like, nah, you don't need me. You just need a good engineer. Wow. And he, he gave us his engineer's name and he guys been working with us ever since. But yeah, it was, it was kind of heady to actually be going in the studio and knowing that it's all on you. But at the same time, that's how we kind of lived our lives anyway. That it was all on us. It's quite fascinating having, having read through all the manuals and teaching yourself how to use jazz. And you're also using samples as well as playing your own music. So, I mean, there must have been a lot involved with trying to, I don't know, equalize everything and have everything sounding right. Because you, you obviously took samples from Tarantino movies, didn't you, for Scooby Snacks? Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually talking to Quentin a couple of weeks ago when April 8 <laughs> came out and gave me a call. And, yeah, we were kicking that around. And it was kind of cool because he was... He was, he was smart enough to know what we were trying to do with samples and was like, okay, I understand. Yeah, sure. But a lot of people that we tried to sample didn't allow us to sample them. And oh, really? We had to, you know, we had to go in the studio and replay the samples. So we had to go in and, like, say we were doing something on, on Bomb in the L, we, we tried to sample Smoke in the Water, right? So to replay that, we had to get, like, an old Stratocaster through an old Marshall and we had to get, you know, all the mics that they probably would have used in Deep Purple and the drum kit around that era and just replay the whole song, record it, and then sample the, just a little bit that we needed. And we did that for a lot of different songs. That took up with the bulk of a lot of the recording time was just recreating a song to then sample to just place in a little bit of another song. Yeah, it was kind of weird. No way. Wow, you made a lot of work for yourselves, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah, but then, then at the end of it, we didn't have to pay a lot of people money. So that was kind of, it was good. And also kind of, 
it honed our skills as record producers because we'd listen to something and we'd go, okay, we can redo that if we do this, this, and the next thing. So wow. it was kind of good to kind of like, you know, flex your muscles early on. Yeah, nicely done. And you, know, you mentioned before that you tried to stay away from everything that's normal. And clearly that melting pot of your inspired genres, some hip-hop and rock and funk to soul, weren't quite the norm. You know, it was that magical cross crossing a genres formula, making that album such a huge success. I mean, can you remember what it was about that time that sparked your interest in creating this whole melting pot of influences? You know, it's kind of weird because I don't think we actually were thinking about it too much. I mean, we, we're all living in New York City. We grew, I grew up there and Fast grew up there and we, that was just how New York was, you know. You, you go from block to block and hear a different kind of music, and all those things lent itself to the stories that we were trying to tell with, with the lyrics, you know, that I was trying to tell. And when we, we first made the record, we didn't really think that it was so non-genre specific, I guess, you know, until it got released. And we started seeing stuff like in the U.K. and Ireland where at that time, 20 years ago, everything was Britpop, Britpop, Britpop. Yeah, so, yeah. That stuff was, like, uniquely derivative of, like, the Beatles and the Stones and, and, you know, white dudes playing blues, you know. And when we came out, it was great for us because we weren't doing any of that. So it was, like, really, like, you know, we were out on our own little boat in the ocean by ourselves. But, you know, I think we stayed in the charts in the U.K. for, like, 102 weeks or something. That's a long time, you know. And, you know, 10 million records sold. I mean, that's pretty good for a debut. You guys did pretty amazing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it gave us financial security. You know, yeah. we didn't have to worry about anything for the rest of our lives, you know. And it kind of let us realize that, you know, what we were doing was okay. And the fact that other people enjoyed it made us feel that we could keep doing that and not have to switch it up mm. because we had, like, an endless supply of, of inspiration coming from New York. So, mm. you know, it was actually a really cool mojo that happened, you know. Oh, congratulations. This is incredible and it still lives on. It's, it's, it's created history. But listen, I will, I'll let you go. I'll let you get back to things there. But can't wait to have you over here in Dublin. Of course, you're playing Vicker oh, Street. Yeah, it's going to be, the, it's going to be the, uh, the, the kickoff of the tour in Dublin, like we always try to do. So Brilliant. Once again, we start it in Dublin. Start it in Dublin. God love you for the rest of the tour. I hope it isn't too crazy yep. for you. <laughs> no, we, we, it can only get worse after Dublin. That's the way we look at it. <laughs> Uh, we'll keep you following criminals. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to you today. Thank you very much. You have a good one.
Snacks on Radio Nova and you can catch Funland Criminals live in Dublin's Vicar Street next Friday the 29th. I believe tickets are still available for the show. It's going to be a lot of fun getting the opportunity to hear the band play the album Come Find Yourself in its entirety. I shall see you there. Yet to come backstage Steve Wall will be chatting about recording with the stunning and acting with the stars. Laura Bury of the star will be helping you out with your social activities by way of the entertainment guide. But now it's time for this. Backstage on Radio Nova. Getting right into new music with the new Renault Fluence. Passion for life. And now joining me in studio is Greg Gochran of Radio Nova. Hey, Greg, how's it going? It's going good, Sinead. In good form? I'm in great form, thanks. Oh, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so, you have something rather wonderful for us this week. Yeah, the Skellies. Well, they should be Skellies. If you're from that neck of the woods, you'll know Hoylake, or it should be Hoylake, is out in the Wirral. <laughs> and uh, Skelly is uh, a cheeky chappy from that neck of the woods. James Skelly and his brother Ian, 20 years ago, 1996, they formed The Coral. You're kidding, 20 years ago. 20 years, they're on the go. The debut album then, there was Magic and Medicine, which mm. everyone remembers about, what, 12, 13 years, 14 years ago now? Yeah, I absolutely love those two first albums. I absolutely fell in the world. Everybody liked them. Yeah. Uh, jingly guitar, Britpop, uh, kind of tunes. <laughs> Various solo projects over the years. The lineup yeah. was changed a couple of times. I think there's an ex-guitar player doing a gig here soon. That's it? right, yeah, Bill Ryder Jones. He was due to play just during the week, actually, on the 20th, but it's been postponed to March the 12th. Mm. So, and his new stuff is over. I played on backstage just a couple of weeks ago. Really, really good. But uh, yeah, surprise, the Carl are, are keeping going. Keeping yeah, five-year hiatus. they got a new album called Distance In Between. It's kind of usual psychedelic folk, Britpop. We like the single, though. This is the new single. It's Miss, as in M-I-S-S, Fortune.
Yeah, we're loving that one, the yeah. Carl. Um, so yeah, nice. Yeah, not bad. New album is out around, I think around March. Yeah, March 4th. March 4th, brilliant. Well, Greg Gochran, thank you very much for popping in. A pleasure. And thanks to you, Reynolds Flynn's Passion for Life. Now, during the early 90s, the biggest Irish band in the world were U2, but in Ireland it was the stunning. In the seven years that the band were initially together, they toured relentlessly and built up a following that would make them one of the most successful Irish bands ever. In 1990, their debut album, Paradise in the Picture House, spent five weeks in number one. It became one of the best-loved Irish albums of all time. Their follow-up album, Once Around the World, released two years later, also reached the number one spot and went on to sell over 100,000 albums in Ireland alone. So as the band split in 1994, it is clear that interest has not waned for this Irish band as their upcoming show and Button Factory as part of the Temple Bar Tradfest has sold out. So join me next to talk about it all. It's Steve Wall of The Stunning. Backstage on Radio Nova.